ಸಹನಾವತು ಸಹನೋಭುನಕ್ತು ಸಹ ವೀರ್ಯಂಕರವಹೈ ತೇಜಸ್ವಿನಾವಧೀತಮಸ್ತು ಮಾ ವಿಷಾವಹೈ ಶಂಕರಾಚಾರ್ಯ ಕೇಶವಂಬಾದರಾಯಣ ಸೂತ್ರಭಾಷ್ಯಕೃತೌ ವಂದೇ ಭಗವಂತೌ ಪುನಃ ಪುನಃ ಈಶ್ವರೋ ಗುರುರಾತ್ಮೇದಿ ಮೂರ್ತಿಭೇದ ವಿಭಾಗಿನೆ ವ್ಯೋಮವ್ಯಾಪ್ತೇಹಾಯ ದಕ್ಷಿಣಾಮೂರ್ತ ನಮಃ let us read from the 11th verse yadaksharam veda vido vadanti vishanti yadyatayo vitaragaha yadichanto brahmacharyam charanti ಯದಿಂತೋ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮಚರ್ಯಂಚರಂತಿ ತತ್ತೇ ಪದಂ ಸಂಗ್ರಹೇಣ ಪ್ರವಕ್ಷ್ಯೇ ಸಂಗ್ರಹೇಣ ಪ್ರವಕ್ಷ್ಯೇ ಸರ್ವಾರಿ ಸಂಯಮ್ಯ ಸರ್ವಾರಿ ಸಂಯಮ್ಯ ಮನೋರುದಿ ನಿರುದ್ಯ ಮನೋರುದಿ ನಿರುದ್ಯ ಮೂರ್ಧಾತ್ಮನ ಪ್ರಾಣ ಮೂರ್ಧಾತ್ಮನ ಪ್ರಾಣ ಆಸ್ಥಿಗಧಾರಣ ಆಸ್ಥಿಗಧಾರಣ ಓಕ್ಷರ ಬ್ರಹ್ಮ ಓಕ್ಷರ ವ್ಯಾಹರನ್ ಮಾಮನುಸ್ಮರನ್ ವ್ಯಾಹರನ್ ಮಾಮನುಸ್ಮರನ್ ಯತಿಜನ್ ದೇಹಂ ಯಾತಿಜಂದೇಹಿ ಪರಮಿ ಪರಮಿಸ್ ಲಾಸ್ಟ್ ಟು ವರ್ಸಸ್ ಲಾರ್ಡ್ ಕೃಷ್ಣ ಎಕ್ಸ್ಪ್ಲೈನ್ ಹೌ ಎ ಪರ್ಸನ್ ಲೀವಿಂಗ್ ರಿಮೆಂಬರಿಂಗ್ ಮೀ ಟು ಸೇಡ್ ಅರ್ಲಿಯರ್ ಅಂತ ಕಾಲೇ ಮಾಮೇವ ಸ್ಮರನ್ ಮುಕ್ತ ಕಲೇವರಂ so when one leaves or departs from this body remembering me at the last moment then he achieves me he he comes to me that means he becomes me there is being said here that at the time of yaf prayadit tejandeham while leaving this body om brahma vyaharan uttering the name om om Maamunusmaran, at the same time he knows the meaning of the word Om also. So, when I know the meaning of the word part, then when the part word part is uttered, then the meaning also flashes in my mind. And similarly also, when the meaning of the word Om flashes in the mind, which Om means Brahma, then the utterance of the word also means the seeing the meaning of the word. In this manner, when he departs, then... ಸಯಾಧಿ ಪರಮಾಂ ಗತಿಂ ಹಿ ಗೋಸ್ ಟು ದ ಮೋಸ್ಟ್ ಎಕ್ಸಾಲ್ಟೆಡ್ ಆ
he comes to me, he becomes one with me. <coughs> he was one with me, but he becomes one with me. There are two processes. One is knowing that I am him, other one is becoming him. Both these processes are described in Vedanta. The primary process, of course, is to know that I am him. But there is another process of becoming him also. And that is what is being described here. <coughs> in Vedanta, there is called Krama Mukti. Mukti or the liberation that comes in stages. The departing from here, this Upasaka or the meditator or the worshipper, goes to a, a particular realm called Brahmaloka, the world of Brahma. And he remains there up to the end of the cycle of creation. And then along with Brahma, he becomes one with Brahman. See, Brahma and Brahman. Brahma is creator. Brahman is he, is God ultimately. So, this is, what is, when it is said here, Sayadi Paramam Gadim, he attains the highest end. What is meant is, that thus departing from here, he goes into the region of Brahma, Hiranyagarbha, the creator, and at the end of this kalpa, or at the end of this cycle, he becomes one with Brahman. <coughs> this is called Krama Mukti, liberation in stages. There is another one called Sadhya Mukti, liberation here and now, and that is the knowledge that I am Brahman. And so, when one meditates upon Brahman, then there is that duality between the meditator and the meditated, but if that duality is reduced to so, such a very subtle state, I mean, you know, very little duality remains as a result of said meditation, then whatever final little distance remains can be resolved by spending the time in Brahmaloka and becoming one with Brahman. This is a concept. And we are not very keenly interested in it, but still it is being discussed because this also is a part of the scripture. The scripture does mention what we call Krama Mukti or liberation in stages. It is also in keeping with the fundamental idea that this is a process and once one has initiated that process then there is always an upward travel, upward journey. Nahi kalyana krutka sit durgatim partha gachati In the sixth chapter Lord Krishna said that hey partha, hey Arjuna one who has who has, initi- who has initiated in this path. There is one who has committed one's life to liberation, to the knowledge, to the spiritual growth. And when that has become one's priority, then one will never come to a bad lot, which means that his journey will continue. If the journey does not get completed in this lifetime, it will continue in the next time, lifetime. And if not again in the next lifetime, anega janma samsiddha. And thus perfecting himself in course of number of births, tato yadi parangatim, he gains that parangatim or the ultimate goal he achieves. In that light we can see here that in case the yogi has not recognized this truth that I am Brahma, and he departs from here with the, with the idea that I am a devotee of Brahman. Even that also, 
ultimately even that so people ask this question Swamiji but I am when you say that I am Brahman then who is worshipping whom how can there be worship when there is only non-duality but that non-duality is ultimate vision but what is my experience at the moment so we start with the experience that we have I do feel separated from God and so that seeming duality is experienced and that becomes the basis of my worship and seeking grace of God <coughs> but ultimately even that duality also will will resolve into the ultimate knowledge of non-duality whether it resolves here resolves in Brahma Loka it will resolve <coughs> okay now this is said about a person who is able to depart from this body at will that means he has gained such a mastery over himself over his mind over his life processes that he can live at will and there have been instances of the yogis being able to do that <coughs> they announce that I'm going to depart at such and such time and then so it is not that this is impossible but this is not necessarily the course that is followed by us but this also is a course followed by the yogis and therefore Lord Krishna mentions it here now we'll proceed with how you know how do we relate to this whole thing because the question arises how about how about people like me let us say they would ask that I don't have that capability of I don't have that kind of a control over my breath and my mind that I can depart at will that my departure from this body will be determined by my karma and not by my will then what should I do? then Lord Krishna says don't worry so 14th verse uh, is for that is, is, an, is an answer to that ananya satatam ananya satatam yomam smarati nityashaha yomam smarati nityashaha Tasyaham Sulabhaf Partha Tasyaham Sulabhaf Partha Nitya Yuktasya Yoginaha Nitya Yuktasya Yoginaha Well, in the first word of this of this verse, you have to make a correction. It says Anya Chetaha, you should add one null there. Ananya Chetaha both in, in English transliteration also it's not Anya Chetaha Ananya Chetaha it's very important <coughs> you see the uh, in the word meaning you write you find it correctly Ananya Chetaha one whose mind does not see the other Anya means other Ananya means not other Chetas means a mind. So one who possesses a mind wherein one does not see the other, which means one who does not see anything other than God, or ultimately one who does not even see God as other than oneself, Ananya Chetaha. <coughs> so here to begin with, Ananya Chetaha is a person who, who has a mind in which there is nothing other than God, Ananya Chetaha. Satatam, Satatam, constantly. Smarati, he remembers me. So one who constantly remembers me, 
with a mind wherein there is none other than me. Whatever be my perception of God at this time, but what is required is that in my mind there is nothing other than God. And with that kind of a mind I remember Him, Satatam, constantly. Nityashaha, every day for a length of time. So as we said earlier, Yoga Shastra talks about these three requirements in order to, to focus our mind on any one thing. To be able to cultivate that identification with any, any given thing, let's say during meditation, Dirghakala, Nairantaryam, Adara, or Satkara. Dirghakala, that should be done for a long time. Not just for a month or two, you know, or fifteen days of camp or something like that, you know. We'll give you moksha in seven days or something like that. <laughs> so, at least Yoga Shastra doesn't believe in that. Dirga Kala, a long time. Long time all that, Swami, fifteen minutes in the morning and fifteen minutes in the evening is okay? No. Nairantaryam, all the time. And then also, not only all the time and for the long time, but satkara, with a commitment, with, a, with an enthusiasm, with a commitment, with an involvement, with devotion. Then alone, we, then alone it can be established that I have value for it. What can I get in my life that for which I have value? that this becomes, this is valuable to me, not only valuable to me, the most valuable to me, not most valuable, the only valuable to me. Let us say, that is called Ananya Chetaha. Again, this is also a process. It doesn't happen in one day, but in course of time. So, when we say cognitive change, that happens by understanding the realities of life, that whatever there is, is God, and that God alone is myself, and that a knowledge, a recognition, realization, a knowledge of this truth is all that is required for me to become free from the various misconceptions or notions that are arising from ignorance of that reality. And that even the seeking that I have of freedom, etc., all of this is because of the, of the conclusions I have arrived at myself, which conclusions are born of ignorance of this reality. And therefore, knowledge of this reality alone, and that alone will be able to fulfill the agenda of my life. As long as I think that Swami, you know, I, I think that uh, this is okay, but still, I must make a million dollars, that is still required. No, but that, that I have, I show this kind of a thing. That means that this is valuable, all right, but a few other things are also valuable, which is okay. But as this becomes First of all, this should gain some value in our life, then it will have some attention. Then it should become little more and more valuable, and should become most valuable, and should become only valuable. That is Ananya Cheta. Because my mind automatically gets centered upon that which is most valuable to me at a given moment. At a given moment, my mind will be centered on what is most valuable to me. Now when, that means at any moment when God or this, let us say knowledge, say moksha, liberation, and again my conviction that it is knowledge alone that can give me that freedom and nothing else, 
Even all that conviction is not easy. First of all, to recognize that what I am seeking in my life is freedom. That I am not seeking any material stuff, that I am not seeking any earth and karma, etc. Even behind that desire for earth and karma, there is only desire for freedom, recognition of that. And that moksha is really the agenda of my life. That is the first recognition. Second recognition is that that moksha can be attained only by knowledge and by no other process. Because already liberated I am and I have to know myself, I have to know the reality. And then, to the extent that this understanding is there, to that extent knowledge becomes valuable, to that extent whatever is required in order to gain knowledge becomes valuable, then whatever preparation I require to gain that knowledge, in terms of my self-growth, in terms of more, more Ishwara in my life, the more of Ishwara, the less of I. How does it happen? When Ishwara becomes important. And how much more Ishwara will have place in my life? Whatever importance he has. If he becomes the most important, then we all Ishwara and no I. That's called Ananya Chetaha. One in whose mind there is nothing but Ishwara because Ishwara is completely coming to his life. As we say, this is a process. <coughs> then alone, otherwise, now and then I find Ishwara important, then I remember him, I think of him. But then something else takes its place because then other things are important and there was Satatam constantly doesn't happen. Oh, so fifteen minutes is okay, I can allow that much time. Satatam, all along is important. But then Swami, I can't do anything. Then you can do everything keeping Ishwara in mind. Then for them, Whatever he does, also does for Ishwara. Whatever he confronts, that is also Ishwara. Whatever he gets, that is gift of Ishwara. What he does not get, also gift of Ishwara. What he does, is done for Ishwara. What he does not do, is not done for Ishwara. I take bath, for Ishwara. I eat food, for him. How can Ishwara come and eating food? Yeah. See, I take bath so that I become clean and so that my mind will be fresh and so that I can worship him better. I eat food so that my body will be in, you know, proper healthy condition so that I will have enough energy, uh, that is vitality that is required to, to worship him. Sleep also I, I do, I, why do I sleep? So that my mind gets rest, so that it can do what is required next morning. I don't go to sleep, that also because of, that means that I connect everything that I do, Ishwara. When he becomes the center, the focus of everything, that's called Ananya Cheta. Then alone Satatam, constant remembrance is possible. It's not possible otherwise for me to retire completely and sit in a cave, that also can be done. But even when some kind of activity will have to be done, at least to, to, to feed my stomach, it is true that this person will have minimized his activities because he has no other priorities. He is except understood also that his personal needs are minimum. But all this one has to discover, one cannot impose this thing upon oneself. This is what one has to discover. Ananya Chetaha, Satatam, Nityashaha. So Dirgakala, for a long time, Shankaraja says, so, Nashan Masam Samvatsaram not for six months or a year, 
किम तरी हाउ लॉन्ग यावत जीवम एज लॉन्ग एज वन इज अलाइव नॉट फॉर फाइव टेन मिनट्स अ डे नैरंतरियन ऑल द टाइम एंड नॉट टू ओबलाइज समबड़ी सत्कार और आदर आई डू इट विथ एन एंथुजियाजम विथ ए कमिटमेंट विथ डिवोशन then all those process are not required you need not then what earlier it was said is that the person who concentrates his mind on the heart and then that takes the prana up there through the sushumna nadi right up to this crown of the head and then he departs from here all this sounds impossible you know it's scary i get intimidated by when i hear listen to all these things don't worry you need not worry about those things because physical processes are not important whether something travels from bottom to top is not important what is important is what is in my mind and therefore if ishwara is important to you that's all that counts automatically every energy will be centered around that isn't it satyaham sulabha partha he partha he arjuna for someone like that aham sulabha 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 means one that is easy to gain i am easily gained so he partha he arjuna even if you feel that oh those yogic practices i cannot do don't worry just remember me smam smarade just remember me <coughs> all the time all the places and so tasmat sarveshu kaleshu mam anusmara remember me at all the times that's the reason why texts like bhagavad gita describe the glories of the lord they tell us it is not only enough to say that everything is god in fact lord krishna takes a lot of pain because arjuna says the oh lord is so difficult for me to see everywhere you know you, you are everything so what i mean i don't see god in this chair it's difficult for me to see god in this mosquito and stuff like that i know you are there but i just can't get around to see that then what should i do kasam vidyam aham yogin tvam sada parichintayan oh lord all the time thinking about you how do i come to know you keshu keshu bhaveshu chintyosi bhagavan maya please tell me your those specific expressions in which i can meditate upon you and so lord krishna says i'm the himalayas among all the mountains i'm the ganges among all the rivers and whatever i'm the moon among all the you know nightly shining things i'm the sun among all the effulgent things like this lord krishna describes his vibhutis or glories ultimately says everything is my glory but before i can see the glory in everything at least i can start seeing his glories in good things it's easier to see the, the the some some godliness or divinity in my friend very difficult to see it in my enemy so don't worry about it right now that is don't burden yourself with the task of having to see him everywhere start seeing him in somewhere that is why we have the temples and places start seeing him in one place in one image in one place in one whatever in one name in one form and slowly and slowly you can expand it to other names and other forms so one who is wedded to this process tasyaham sulabha partha he partha to this devotee of mine i am sulabha i am easily attained nitya yuktasya yoginah for a yogi who is nitya yuktaha who is always united with me so united with god by remembering him 
First I can remember, I, even remembrance also has, a different, has different qualities. First of all, remembrance can be merely in the form of a name, that's all. Then that name may mean something, I say Ram, 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 that's all I may do. Then that name will become more and more meaningful to me. Oh, Rama means what? He's the son of Dasharatha, and then I remember him that way. Then can become even more meaningful that no, son of Dasharatha, that's all right. But what does it symbolize? Ram means one who delights everyone. So one who is the very self of everyone, who delights everyone, who is the nature of Ananda. And it can even further become more meaningful by recognizing that, that Rama is my own self. So these things become more and more meaningful. Important is remembering him. Whatever idea or whatever understanding I have of him, in that way I remember. It's not mandatory that you must remember him only in certain way. Whichever way, whatever, at the moment you're comfortable with, start remembering that. That means devote more and more time and energy in contemplating and remembering and meditating and worshipping. <coughs> Tasyaham, to this devotee bhakta, am aham sulabaha, he pasa, I'm easily attained. <coughs> All I suppose it attains to you, so what, you know? Suppose this devotee of you attains to you, so what is to be achieved by that? So that's explained in the verse 15. Mamupetya punar janma, mamupetya punar janma, dukhalayam shashvatam, dukhalayam shashvatam, Napnuvanti Mahatmanaha Napnuvanti Mahatmanaha Samsidhim Paramangataha Samsidhim Paramangataha You can also see how Lord Krishna every so often brings his devotion. There's another hang up in people, Swami, that this path of knowledge and path of devotion, that somehow that always remains. But I am a devotee, I like the devotee Swami. What is the devotee and what is, you know, how do we separate this two? How can you pursue knowledge without devotion for knowledge? How can you do that? How can you pursue anything unless there is a commitment in your heart? How can you do that? So what is meant by bhakti? I mean, doing something is not bhakti. Bhakti is the, the devotion, the love that I have is called bhakti. I can do this as a profession also. And so, we always identify bhakti or devotion with a certain kind of action. Because some of the great devotees or saints of the past did certain things. They, they chanted God's name and they did certain specific things with which they are identified. And therefore, we always identify devotion to God with certain kind of activity or certain kind of action. It is not that action, it is a love for Lord. And love is something that is intrinsically there in everybody's heart. And I always love that which is most valuable to me and therefore the knowledge also is required that God is most valuable to me. So these things have to go together. It's not that one helps the other one. It is my love that prompts me to know who is God. It's my understanding of God that makes my love mature. And thus each one helps the maturity of the other. And so, uh, but Swami, all this logical stuff, you know, argument. Some people are not comfortable when it comes to arguments. 
don't worry. It depends on how kind of an arguing mind you have. Some mind is an arguing mind and therefore that mind requires arguments to get convinced. Some mind is not an arguing mind, it is convinced without arguments, don't worry. Important thing is the conviction in my mind, in conviction. <coughs> when it is said that Ishavastimidam Saram, everything is Ishvara. If that word is enough to convince me, you know, don't need any arguments. Upanishad may not provide any argument, just make a statement like that, which is a statement of truth. Oh yeah, it makes sense to me, fine. Doesn't make sense to you, then we'll further argument. That doesn't, that's fine. It depends upon the disposition of different people. But that is why we find all of these things are woven all throughout in Bhagavad Gita. In the chapter of Bhakti you find knowledge, in knowledge you find Bhakti and then you find Karma. You cannot find, you although we tentatively say that the 18 chapters of Bhagavad Gita can be divided into the three uh, groups of six chapters each, then the first group, the first group of six chapters, Lord Krishna primarily discusses Karma. In the second six chapters, discusses Bhakti. In the third, Upasana, you know, worship. In the third six chapters, discusses knowledge. But that doesn't mean that each chapter, you know, doesn't mean that this is a strict classification. This is the general, uh, more time and more space is given to them. Not that one is different from the other. And therefore, we find everything almost in every chapter. <coughs> okay, now coming to the 15th verse, what, what happens when this devotee or this knower, wise man, that uh, he attains his Lord, says, Mamupetya Punarajanma, Dukkhalayam Ashashvalam Mamupetya, having reached me. Punarajanma Apnuvanti, having reached me, this wise man are no more gain the, the rebirth. They do not gain another birth. Having reached me, it is not necessary to, re, to go through the process of this birth and death. So this is called moksha, becoming free from the process of birth and death. Why do they associate this moksha with freedom from birth and death? It is, it is freedom from pain, let us say. Liberation, moksha means freedom from pain, freedom from suffering. And this process of birth and death is always uh, permeated by suffering of one kind or the other. So there is suffering in the human life constantly. Three kinds of the suffering, the pains are there. Adhyatmika, Adhibhautika, three sources are there. Either pain can be caused by my own self, my body or my own mind, or pain can be caused by Adibhautika, the elements, elemental world around me, that may include all the creatures and all kinds of things around me. Or pain can be caused by what we call the sources, divine sources, not known to me. That's why they identify them as different graha, planets and things like that. That is causes unknown to me. There are three sources of pain, and then there is nobody who is born who is free from this. As Swami Dayan used to say formally, I don't see him saying it these days, he used to say, What is human life? Dukkham, 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 sukham. Dukkham, 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 sukham. Meaning what? Pain, 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 happiness. Pain, 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 happiness. That is, there is more, I mean, predominance of pain or suffering rather than that of happiness. 
This is not a negative view of life, this is just an observation of life. That's all. That in birth there is pain, in, in, in growth there is pain, in old age there is pain, in disease there is pain. <coughs> in failure there is pain, in dishonor there is pain, in discomfort there is pain. In loss there is pain, in separation there is pain. And so pain seems to be woven into the life. And therefore the process of birth and death is synonymous to pain. When it is said that, Lord Krishna says, that the wise people who attain me, they do not have to be born again, that means that they do not have to go through this pain, that's all. Arising from individual, arising from the world around me, arising from the force unknown to me, that one becomes free from all that pain. Mahupetya punarajanma, punarajanma means rebirth. Reincarnation, rebirth. What is the nature of the rebirth? Lord Krishna gives us here two adjectives. Dukkhalayam ashashvatam. Dukkhalayam, the abode of misery. Ashashvatam, finite or ephemeral, perishable. So the life is characterized by these two things. Number one, it is abode of misery. You know, Gautam Buddha said, Sarvam Kshanikam Kshanikam Sarvam Dukkham Dukkham. So, here also we are told, it is not a negative view of the life or not is there an attempt to reject life or try to run away from life or avoid life. It is just to understand the realities of life. That this life is an abode of misery. No, Swami, I have a lot of pleasure in my life. I have no misery. The Yoga Shastra says that the apparent pleasures are also misery in as much as you do not know what you are missing. That's all. Many years ago, when I was in the United States, somebody asked, people used to ask, Swami, do you drink? So I was not a Swami that time. Do you drink? I said, no. Do you eat meat? I said, no. Do you go to nightclubs? I said, no. Yeah, everything, no? He says, you don't know what you are missing. <laughs> I said, as long as I don't know, I don't mind. But then that's what it is. We do not know what we're missing. Even if, even if a person says, I'm quite happy, but still there are levels and levels and levels. Of what, is, what, what, what potential that life has to offer us? Whether we are able to really live up to that full potential or not. is one thing to pass time and then you know, avoid pain, it's all right, but then the life has a tremendous amount of potential, that the self and everything happens to be infinite. Anando Brahmahiti Vijayanat. He recognizes, realizes that Brahma is Ananda. Ananda Dheva Khalvimani Bhutani Jayande. The whole universe is born of Ananda. Sustained by Ananda. Goes back into Ananda. Ananda means fullness. With reference to that fullness, whatever little pleasures I may have in my life are insignificant. And therefore, what is the distance between the limited and the limitless, says Swamiji? It is limitless. That means, what am I missing? I am missing that limitless. Even though my life may not be characterized by misery, we don't want to insist that life is misery. We don't want to insist that way. Life can be a great pleasure. And still, any, any, any limited pleasure is going to be insignificant with reference to the fullness that is limitless. In that sense, it is said, 
the life is dukkhalam, is an abode of misery, meaning it's, it's at the most an abode of very limited pleasures. And suppose somebody says that, okay, I am enjoying my life, then ashashwadam, and then also it is only transient, it is only for a short time. So these are the two things that we are trying to avoid all the time. All the time we are trying to avoid pain or misery, and we are trying to avoid death also. Because that death meaning that a transitory life or transient life or life that is short span is not acceptable to me. Death is something that is not acceptable to me. Pain or suffering is something not acceptable to me. To point out, to bring that to our attention, Lord Krishna says that is what there is in this life. And therefore, and you are trying to become free from that. And that freedom is what you gain when you attain me. Dukkhalayam, Ashashwatam, Mahatmanaha, na apnuvanti, Mahatmanaha, the wise people, no more than gain this life of birth and death, which is characterized by misery, and a sense of limitation, and a struggle, and again, also a constant awareness that I am here for a limited time, because that life is only short-lived. Samsiddhim paramam gataha. What is, what is meant by attaining God is paramam samsiddhim gataha, those who have reached ultimate success. So ultimate success in life is defined as, described here, as reaching Him. That means recognizing my full potential, put it this way. What is my full potential is limitless and therefore recognizing that, abiding in that is meant by reaching God. And once you do that, that is a success in life. <coughs> but people plan, well, how about going to Uswar heavens? How about going to some other realm, realms? In fact, we find descriptions of Brahmaloka. Brahmaloka is the seventh world, you know. Bhuhu, Bhuvaha, Suvaha, Mahaha, Janaha, Tapaha, Satyam, Satyaloka. For all abodes, where you have heightened degree of happiness. So, Bhuhu, this world provides some degree of happiness. Bhuvaha, next world, Suvaha, Mahaha, Janaha, Tapaha. In each of these realms, supposedly, the, the, the degree of, or the intensity of happiness that you experience is higher and higher, and the highest in Satya Loka or Brahma Loka. Suppose I go to Brahma Loka, isn't it okay? Then, then also will I not be free from pain? If becoming free from pain is our agenda, then is it not that I can become free from pain if I go to Brahma Loka? Then Lord Krishna says about that in the 16th verse. Abrahma Bhuvana Lokaha Abrahma Bhuvana Lokaha Punaravartin Arjuna, Punaravartin Arjuna, Mamupetya Dukaunteya, Mamupetya Dukaunteya, Punarjanmana Vidyate, Punarjanmana Vidyate. Ah, Brahma Bhuvanat Lokaha Punaravartinaha. Here Arjuna, we don't have this problem, we are not planning for Brahma Loka or Svarga Loka also, but in case, it depends on the, the kind of uh, 
the, the kind of thinking that prevails at a given point in time. They were the days when Swarga or heavens wasn't important for people and they would be planning for that. What Loga Brahma Loka? Very important. Today is not important. Today life after this life hereafter is not very important. That doesn't come into our our you know thinking process. But if when it did come then this verse is relevant that here you know all the realms up to Brahma Loka and that's the highest realm. Punaravartinaha. All of them are of the nature of those from which one has to return. That means there is no permanent abode. The idea is that other than Brahman there is nothing permanent. Everything is impermanent. No doubt Brahma Loka or that Loka of Brahma goes on, lasts for a long time. You know yesterday, the next verse will tell us how long that world is. But it is billions and trillions and zillions and I don't know. You know yeah. 10 is to 27, I mean, you can, I don't know what to, you know, what to say about that. That is the length of time which, through which this one cycle of creation will be there, according to their calculation. But even that also is limited. The idea is that every realm or every world is limited in time. Arjuna recognized that what you are seeking is free from every kind of limitation. And nothing is permanent, everything is impermanent. There are just the matters of degrees of impermanence. Something is born and dies right away. Something takes one year, something may take two years, hundred years. Redwood trees may take, I don't know, two thousand, five hundred years, something like that. Whatever. Or maybe a billion years. And still, someday it will come to an end. And you will find yourself beginning from square one, here, Juna, having gained that experience in that realm, you will again come back because you find that you are not complete. That when even that experience also comes to an end, then you find yourself a seeker again. And therefore, you will have to come back again to the human world seeking again that limitlessness. That means there is no permanent solution other than coming to me. That's what it's, the second line says. However, Mamupetya, having reached me, he counted, there's no coming back. There's no rebirth meaning, there's no coming back, there's no further struggle of seeking because this this struggle of life has come to a fulfillment. Etad Buddha, Buddhiman Syat, Krutakrutyascha Bharata. Lord Krishna says, he becomes Krutakrutya. That means he becomes one who has discovered a total fulfillment in the life. And that can happen only by knowing me as yourself and in no other way. Only by knowing the reality of life. This is the primary thesis of Vedanta. That every kind of suffering, emotional suffering, not physical pain, emotional pain, is all only due to ignorance. Ignorance of the reality of life. Ignorance of the true nature of myself Ignorance of the world, ignorance of God. On the very first day we say that this ignorance is not merely absence of knowledge, but having false understanding or wrong conclusions about myself, wrong conclusions about the world, wrong conclusions about God. That is the source of every kind of emotional pain. And even though there can be psychotherapy and stuff like that, which can give us 
some definitely sudden relief and can help us ultimately to become free from that pain the only means is to know the realities to become free from those misconceptions so when Lord Krishna is attaining me doesn't mean that we will reach him physically knowing him knowing him as our own self Punarijanma Vindyate they come there there is no Punarijanma there is no rebirth which means that you become free once and for all from this life of seeking <coughs> life of struggle how do you say that Brahma Loka also is not permanent even Brahma Loka also is not permanent he says no because that also has a time span what is it 17th verse tells us that Sahasra Yuga Paryantam Sahasra Yuga Paryantam Aharyad Brahmano Viduhu Aharyad Brahmano Viduhu Ratrim Yuga Sahasrantam Ratrim Yuga Sahasrantam Teho Ratra Vidojana Teho Ratra Vidojana Ahoratra Vidojanaha, those people who know about the day and night of Brahma, they are experts, they are all astrologers, so the people who are, who are, who deal with Kala all the time. So those people who know the scales of time, not scales of simply this time in this, the earth, but scales of cosmic time. So those who are knowers of the scales of cosmic time, what do they say about the duration even of that Brahma? talking about Brahma Loka, the world of Brahma, the creator. And the way this is looked at is that this Brahma also has a lifespan. Extremely long but still lifespan. His life consists of 100 years. Each year has 360 days. Each day has, each day of 24 hours, let us say, is a half day and night. Okay, this is how Brahma's life is. So, what is the length of the day of this Brahma? Says Sahasra Yuga Paryantam. The day, the duration of one day of Brahma is 1000 Yuga. 1000 units or 1000 cycles. One cycle consisting of Chatur Yuga. We know the four ages are there. The Satya or Krita Yuga, Treta Yuga, Dvapara Yuga, Kali Yuga. These four makes up the mix of one unit. And one thousand such units is equal to one day of Brahma, one day of Creator. What does these four Yugas amount to? You know, what do they add up to? What is Kali Yuga? Kali Yuga, as we were saying yesterday, 432,000 years of which only 5,000 years have gone, 432,000 years. The, what is Dwapara Yuga? 864,000 years. That is twice. What is Treta Yuga? Three times that. And what is uh, Satya Yuga? Four times that. And therefore, one Chatur Yuga or one unit of these four yugas adds up to 4.32 million years. 
multiply that by 1000 4.32 million multiply by 1000 is 4.32 billion so therefore the duration of the day of brahma is 4.32 billion years human years ratri yuga sahasrandam his night also is the same duration so night also is 4.32 billion years and therefore his one day of 24 hours adds up to 8.64 billion years multiply that by 360 and you get his one year and multiply that by 100 and you get his lifespan which is mind boggling you know i mean it is so long is mind boggling but still there is a time the idea is that even the world of brahma and life of brahma also has a time span however long it may be but it has a time span which means that it is still limited in time which means that it is subject to creation and subject to dissolution even the world of brahma also some day will come to an end and then you will start this business all over again and going to the world of brahma is not easy at all is is, is next to impossible the kind of upasanas meditations and things are neither are impossible essentially but we find descriptions of those in the upanishads and the vedas but even if you attain that highest attainment still it is limited in time <coughs> what happens when then prajapati or brahma the creator when he goes to sleep and when he wakes up what happens does anything happen so lord krishna describes that now lord krishna wants to talk about the limitless wants to talk about that which is not limited in time and so that which is free from limitation of time is being described here with reference to those that are limited in time so lord krishna first tells us what is the universe how it is limited in time and contrasting that he will tell us what it is that is beyond the limitation of time and therefore the next verse tells us next two verses as a matter of fact tell us what happens when brahma the creator goes to sleep and what happens when he wakes up see <clears throat> so this is the uh, the model of creation that is provided by the, the vedic scriptures the model of creation is something similar to the the kind of process that we go through every day every day we go to sleep where i go to sleep where my whole personality becomes causal or unmanifest and when i wake up my personality becomes manifest this is the process going on from manifest to unmanifest unmanifest to manifest understand that in deep sleep there is no destruction not that my personality my memory my desires my all whatever i have or none of that gets destroyed all of that just gets into this causal state becomes what we call unmanifest in a potential state and when i wake up all that potential again becomes manifest that's the reason why next morning i find myself the same kind of a fellow who went to sleep no different person even a deep sleep things are destroyed and every morning a new person will wake up get up that doesn't happen there is a continuity in fact there is a memory also that i who went to sleep last night is i who has woken up this morning similarly also brahma then see when i wake up how my whole personality wakes up with me 
When I go to sleep, how the whole personality goes to sleep. Similarly also when Brahmaji, when he uh, wakes up, the whole world wakes up. When he goes to sleep, the whole world of living beings goes to sleep. <coughs> And so that is what is being said in the next two verses. Let us read the 18th verse. Avyakta Advyaktaya Sarvaha Avyakta Advyaktaya Sarvaha Prabhavantya Ragame Prabhavantya Ragame Ratriagame Praliyante Ratriagame Praliyante Tatraiva Vyakta Sanyake Tatraiva Vyakta Sanyake Avyaktat, from the unmanifest, Sarvaha Vyaktaha, all that is manifest, Prabhavanti Aharagame. They arise at the beginning of the day. That is when this Brahmaji wakes up in the morning, when his day begins, then we can say that a is sub-cycle of creation. There are sub-cycles of creation like every day I wake up and every day I go to sleep and a day comes when I go to sleep forever also. There is a day when I woke up and there is a day when I go to sleep not to come back. In between that may be 50 years, 60 years, 70 years in between every day I go to sleep and every day I wake up. So there is a sleep there is an an everlasting sleep. And there is a sleep that lasts for just the night. Similarly for Brahma, the creator also, he goes to sleep every day. It is not everlasting sleep, just lasting during the night. And again he wakes up. When his lifespan comes to an end, he goes to sleep forever, then not to come back. But here we are told that when he wakes up in the morning, which is a pretty long time, 8.64 billion years is one day, you know, that is when he wakes up then he will be awake for 4.32 billion years and he will sleep for 4.32 billion years tentatively. This is what I said here. <coughs> Interestingly enough, that is said to be the lifespan of the universe also. The earth is said to be born before uh, 4 billion years. The whole universe is said to be born before 10 or 15 or 20 billion years. So we are talking about the, the time scale which has impressed the scientists. So when the scientists, uh, when, they, when they come across this, they are quite impressed and the kind of time scale that these uh, the scriptures are talking about. But anyway, we are interested in the process uh, of life that takes place, that from the manif- unmanifest, which is a state of deep sleep, there is a manifestation of the whole world, and when again his night comes, the whole world again goes to unmanifest. Unmanifest to manifest, manifest to unmanifest. This is how the process constantly goes on. All right, but the, the the whole set of creatures, all the living beings, they get manifest and go to unmanifest. But how about the living beings that manifest next day? Are they same fellows or different fellows? That every time Brahmaji wakes up and the whole universe comes to, becomes awake, is it the new set of creatures that are born or the same fellows keep on being born again? It is the same fellows that keep on being born again and go back to sleep, born again and 
not born again, meaning not born again this way, but then <laughs> those same fellows are there. They alone become manifest and they alone become, they become unmanifest. <coughs> that is said in the 19th verse, let us read that. Bhūta-grāmasya evāyam Bhūta-grāmasya evāyam Bhūtva-bhūtva-praliyate Bhūtva-bhūtva-praliyate Rātriyāgame-vaśa-pārtha Rātriyāgame-vaśa-pārtha Prabhavatyaharāgame Prabhavatyaharāgame it is the same group of Saiva Ayam Bhuta Gramaha, the same group of living beings, which are countless of course. So they repeatedly come into being and repeatedly again become unmanifest. In short, it is the same group of living beings that repeatedly comes into being and manifest and unmanifest, manifest and unmanifest. And not that every time new beings are born, same fellows go through the cycle again and again. Okay, we'll take up this idea in the afternoon and what's the reason for saying this, we'll, we'll discuss that. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashashyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Badarayanam Sutra Bhashakrutau Vande Bhagavantau Punapunaha Ishvara Guru Ratmedi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadvyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Bhyo Namaha Hari Om